How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the technical area, your favorite podcast for all things football. I'm Ben Cohen. I'm here with Josh. How's it going, man? Very well. Very well. How about yourself? I'm I'm pretty good myself. It's good to hear that you're doing well. You know, United just just won an FA Cup quarterfinal. They wasted about two hours of my life before they did, but, you know, they did. Uh, which definitely lightened the mood for what can only be described as an inevitable time where Liverpool have won the Premier League. It's it's not the best. It's I don't like saying it unless I'm joking, you know, posting a picture of the Premier League trophy above Steven Gerrard's head. But but the time has happened. They've won it. They've deserved it. Um, and they've played some good football while, while doing it. Um, Josh, they've won the title. Well... Never thought this day would arrive, to be honest. If you asked me nine years ago, I would have laughed in your face, probably. Um, I will not say congratulations to Liverpool. Sorry, Liverpool fans who are listening to this podcast, but I simply have been brought up to hate all things Scouser and Scouser-related. How, However, I will objectively say that Liverpool were more than deserving of the Premiership this season. Um, they were by far the best team. Played some very good football um, along as as times went on. Um, consistently turned up in the big games as well. You know, broke records along the way. Uh, it really a very memorable Premier League season for Liverpool and Liverpool fans. And yeah, um, it's something that they've waited a long, long time for, and something that you have to hold your hands up and say that they deserve this season. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think the best manager in the league this year has taken the best team this year, and has has won the best the the competition that shows that you're the best team in the league. And um, con- complete congratulations to Jurgen Klopp. Um, I mean, no, false. Forget I said that. I'm going to delete that in the edit. But Klopp deserved it. Um, he was the best manager in the league this year. He he led his team. He has this system that I think we agree, like, Liverpool's squad has, has holes. Not holes where you think, okay, Chris Smalling is, is playing or that kind of thing. But holes like, is Jorginho Wijnaldum the best midfielder in the league? No. If you're talking about the best midfielders in the league, you're not going to Liverpool first, to me. But... The fact that he's taken this squad of a, of a player like like Jordan Henderson, who went from a player that almost was sold from Liverpool after joining from Sunderland, and I it was a, my favorite one of my favorite players to ridicule from Liverpool into being a captain, a deserving member of the team of the season this year, um, and you know the the first man that's going to be able that's going to get to lift the trophy for Liverpool at at the end of the season, um, and I think that's all down to Jurgen Klopp, is it not? I think Klopp obviously did very well this season. Um, I'm not sure whether I agree on if he's the best manager in the league. He's definitely up there, no doubt about it. He's a world-class manager. Um, I think with Liverpool, the, the thing is, they won a league in the Premiership that was not really the most traditional way to do it. Liverpool, their recruitment was very stats and numbers oriented, as we know. I mean, they have this very good system for identifying talent. Like, 
back in 2017, if you had told me that Mohamed Salah would have scored 30-plus goals in a Premier League season, I would have laughed in your face. Um, but there's, their way of identifying the players they need and then signing them is something that you have to hold your hands up and say it's impressive. I mean, they signed Allison after Karius was woeful for them for that entire season, capped off by a terrible Champions League final performance. They signed Virgil van Dijk when they really needed a tall, dominant center half. And I mean, look how van Dijk is doing in their system, top center half in the world, um, without a shadow of a doubt. So, I mean, they, they aren't the name brands. They don't really get my attention. But at the end of the day, they are exactly what Liverpool need and kind of what they're built off of. And it worked, and it's how Klopp has worked before with Dortmund. Um, it's how he's working now, and you just you have to hold your hands up and say that the way they have done it has been very impressive. Um, it's not like City, where City obviously they identify what they wanted, but they threw, you know, however many hundreds of millions of pounds at it. Liverpool bought at the right times with the right amount of money. And if they had to throw $75 million at Virgil van Dijk, they threw it. Right. Don't you think that Liverpool's financial strategy is better than City's? Because as much as Liverpool may lack the funds to defend their title, and of course I'm, I'm talking to, to Chelsea being able to, to take Werner off pretty much from their grasp. Yeah, I think, just to quickly interrupt you, and then you can get back to your point, Ben, I think that with, obviously, Liverpool's current situation, Liverpool just don't have a lot of money um and whether that's their fault i don't think it is i think it's just the the state of the times they rely on match day revenue they rely on that sort of thing i mean if they had that and say that the coronavirus weren't a thing and say that the season had just ended um you know a few weeks ago at this point um we're already into the summer transfer window at this point there's no doubt in my mind liverpool have like you know, they're not going to spend huge this summer, but they're going to get Werner. They're going to get, you know, uh, one or two really good players that are going to even add to their team. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I mean, now they don't really have the funds, um, considering that City have the money to reinvest this summer. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. The way they've invested in their club is that where City said, okay, we have a fullback problem, they bought Ben Mendy, Danilo, um, Joao Cancelo, um, I'm I'm forgetting names. There are Kyle more. Walker. Kyle Walker. Although I I wouldn't even say Kyle Walker because he kind of has been a mainstay there. But he's been good. Yeah. But there were others. There were at least one other one that I'm forgetting, um, because they've been like almost irrelevant at City, and whether they were injured or loaned out or just or just never really earned a place in the starting eleven. They ended up spending some 200, 300 million on fullbacks in the last three, four years. None of which, aside from Kyle Walker, really established themselves to the position and, and solved the problem. Whereas Liverpool said, all right, we need a center back. And they bought the best in the world. I mean, he wasn't at the time, but they figured out the right signing, they made the right signing, and he did it for them. They did the same thing with, with, with Mane and Salah, and, and they as much as they weren't the best player in the world, then they were like, all right, this is the right player for us. We're buying this player, and this is how we're going to build our team into the best in the world. And and they've done that. Whereas as City have sort of just thrown money and w- with hope rather than expectation, I think. I wouldn't say it's with hope. I'd say it's with players that Pep has thought they'll work. And he's kind of using his football knowledge to base it off that. Whereas 
Liverpool, as I mentioned previously, they have this stats-driven um, system that they use to identify players and target players. Um, similar, if you are familiar with um, uh, Lille in France, their um, technical director, uh, I'm blanking, Jard, no, 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 not Jardin, that's the old Monaco manager. I'm blanking, Campos, Campos, Luis yeah. Campos, yeah. Luis Campos. Similar to his style, where you use a completely kind of stats-driven um, system to identify players, Liverpool have that. It, it's the most sustainable way of doing it because Liverpool have balanced the books. They've kept everything, you know, secured financially, while also becoming um, a top three side in the world. Right. Do you think Bali can become? Not to say that he's going to become the best center back in the world, and and rival Van Dijk, and and to me, Laporte deserves to be in that conversation as well. But do you think in term, he'll be more similar to the Van Dyke signing and identifying this player, signing this player, and this player working out in the way that Van Dyke did rather than the city's fullback issue? Or do you think that Koulibaly will, will be another city that another signing at City that will, that will come and go and not really make a difference? Because well, they really do need that company replacement. I, I think that Koulibaly and Laporte will be... It's hard to think of a world where they're not going to be the best center-back pairing in the league. Um, this is assuming the deal does happen, of course. Um, it's hard to think of a world where they aren't the best pairing in the league. I think that Koulibaly, although 29, he is a world-class center-half. Um, he technically has everything that you need to um, compete in Pep's system. Um, and he's very good at reading the game. He, I think he would just fit City overall. Um, what I worry for is if City get an injured center half like they had this year, for, like Laporte, for example. I mean, they have Koulibaly or they have Laporte. I think that's good. But after those two center backs, who can they have that can come in and be like, you know, we can count on this guy if we need him for depth? Well, yeah, because they haven't been able to count on Otamendi. They haven't Otamendi been able to count is just, on I, I know, I, I don't know about you, but I personally don't rate Otamendi very highly. No, him and I think, Stones I think, Otamendi, I think Stones, Stones is an example of City spending recklessly again on a player that's kind of just, at this point, uh, it seems like they want to sh- uh, move on in the summer, if anything. Um, and, I mean, they've moved on center halves previously, but, like, if one of those two guys gets injured, it's kind of hard for them. Um the thing is, though, City, the thing that kind of makes me fear for them is, like, they've got everything right now, but it doesn't really seem like, with the way they're spending and the way they're being handled financially, it doesn't really seem like there's a plan for five years down the line. Well, but don't it you seems think that's like because we, Pep is leaving? Like, Pep doesn't seem to want to be there in the long term. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's always... Pep going back to Barca, Pep maybe going on to Italy, Pep challenging himself somewhere else. I mean, I, as long as Man City haven't won the Champions League, in my opinion, I think Pep will stay because I think that um, he'll get heavily criticized if he doesn't ultimately end up winning the Champions League. With you think they can this year? Um, yeah, I think we'll definitely talk about this in later episodes um, in more depth. But, I mean, just, just briefly, I, I do think City have the capability to win it this year. I think that... Um, they have the squad to do it, especially Laporte is now back fit, which is a massive uh, acquisition for City to help their defensive issues especially. But, I mean, they went to a jam-packed Bernabeu and won. And that's not 
an easy thing to do. Um, and I thought they won, and they had a really good game plan to do so. Um, they've got a top, top team with top players. I don't really see why City can't go on and win it. I think that Bayern are definitely huge contenders. Um, Bayern yeah. are a really, really well-run team this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the final is between Bayern and Man City, um, which would be, in my opinion, a cracking attacking final. And hopefully it's, it is it is the final because um, at the end of the day, obviously Chelsea for me is not going to make it. No way. Bayern are a step above, of course. Yeah. Man United, obviously you're in the Europa League. You have your own things to worry about when it comes to European football. So, I mean... Yeah, I think from a neutral perspective, that would be a really good Champions League final, and I hope it happens um, for City fans and for Bayern fans as well, obviously. Um, but long story short, yes, City can win the Champions League, but this is going to sound kind of cliche and generic. The Champions League fo- um, kind of stumbling block for City, in my opinion, has been mentality and whether they can really you know, get that win-at-all-costs mentality in them, um, which I don't know if Pep's system allows um, because we've seen that he's obviously not willing to adapt his system to other um, people, which I think is a weakness of his at times because I, we've seen it and we're going to get into it. But, I mean, Chelsea just the other day were able to, you know, be the better team um, ultimately over Pep and beat Pep again. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, no doubt on paper City can win the Champions League. You got into it a little bit. We did talk we, – we... You did talk about that that mentality and that ref, refuse that Pep Pep's rigidity when it comes to tactics when it yeah. comes to game plan yeah. and we definitely saw that saw that against Chelsea and saw how how they've been able to get exposed. I mean they got they got exposed um, even though maybe they should have had a penalty rather than Liverpool scoring the opening goal when they played. When when they played at right, Anfield right. earlier this season, October, and right. you know they lost three times to United this season, and maybe we're lucky to beat Chelsea in the reverse fixture, and then got got outclassed um, just yesterday. Yeah, um, with with City, I mean, and with Pep, Pep for me is the perfect manager if you want to win everything domestically, domestic title, um, cup competitions, he'll get it done. But when it comes to the European stage, if we're going to look at it objectively, he's won two Champions Leagues in his time as a manager, both of which were with Barcelona. Both had one common factor, Lionel Messi. And, not to mention, this was a Messi surrounded by, you know, the greatest players of all time. You had Iniesta, Xavi, um, David Villa as well, was there I, the, the the teams that Messi played in, in those two Champions League final winning teams were ridiculous um, now I mean Pep's got a team at City that in my opinion is not as good as those teams were they, they are still you know world class team without a doubt top three team in the world yeah um, can will he adapt in this Champions League, will he? I don't think he will. You can you can show up to Pep and on the day, you know how he's going to play. It's just whether you can beat it or not. Exactly. And whether whether you can be fully motivated. And I mean, obviously against Chelsea, City lacked a striker, City lacked a focal point. But 
even so, I mean, we've seen City, you know, run over teams playing a false nine or, you know, just put seven past a team when they feel like it. So, in a sense, you could maybe worry that Pep has been found out a tiny bit and isn't kind of adapting. But you also have to be like, if you're a City fan, obviously, like, come on, we're, we're top three side in the world. I mean, I think City fans, and I think we can pretty much objectively say that Man City have a better squad than Real Madrid. Um, and they should um, be going through against them. It'll be interesting to see who they get, the, they get in the quarterfinals, if that's the case, if they go through. Um, but it's just the case of, can Pep get these guys motivated and kind of instill that never-say-die mentality? From a Chelsea perspective, they were able to, got, they were able to get the job done. They look likely to... Yeah. To catch Leicester, um, and and I mean I don't think they're going to catch City nine points off, but the oh no no but chance. I think no chance the the response from from Chelsea response being to how far they are behind behind the title the title charge um, led by Liverpool and of course followed by by City um, is a is a sign that I think that. Chelsea and I think also United are closing the gap between Liverpool and City in the way that they've they've strengthened um, in all aspects, whether it's managerially, um, squad wise, and also will continue to improve um, this summer. That I think that that win was is a sign a sign of things to come. I think that this win is just another thing that you can point to for. for um, for Frank Lampard and say, you know, objectively why he's been good for Chelsea. I mean, Frank Lampard, he is now beating Jurgen Klopp this season. He's beaten um, Pep as well. He's beaten Carlo, um, his old nemesis. I think that's still pretty impressive considering we won 4-0. Um, he's beaten Spurs twice, Mourinho and Mourinho. Um, you know who he hasn't beaten? He hasn't beaten Ole Gunnar Skullshire. No one cares. <laughs> um, he will do that next season with a superior squad, but that's not the point. The point is, he has earned his managerial job, and everything is setting up right now for Chelsea. Like when you look back on, like I don't know, City or like Liverpool wins towards like the end of their like seasons before they went on to dominate. Like you could say, yeah, this is where like everything clicked or something like that. But it's, it's I don't know. I think it's kind of a statement, like, to remind people, like, Chelsea as of right now, yeah, we're not we're not gonna a threat in Europe. We're not gonna be challenging for the Champions League anytime soon. But we will be soon. And this was just like the hey, remember us kind of win. Like we're still here. We, you know, we're 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 coming back. Storm yeah. the storm is coming. Like you can clearly see it. We've signed Werner. Um, we signed Ziyech. More signings clearly on the way for Chelsea. I mean, like, this win, um, it was massive because if Chelsea can get the Champions League football spot and finish third, as I think they will, um, then, I mean, it, it, possibilities are really endless in terms of the transfer market. They've got uh, Roman Abramovich, who's in the mood of his life in terms of spending. He wants to spend like it's 2004 all over again so i mean like chelsea this summer 
they have a real opportunity because of the financial state that they're in and the financial state of other clubs to catch up to Liverpool, catch up to a Manchester City, and really do two transfer windows in one, um, kind of, because they fact is Liverpool can't spend. City can spend to an extent, but if they don't have Champions League football, are they going to attract, you know, a lot of players? Obviously, their squad is still world-class, um, but this is our chance to catch up to them. And, you know, if we sign Havertz, as it seems likely, it seems like it, it could happen, it might happen. I, I mean, fingers crossed for Chelsea fans, including myself. Um, seems like it, it, it's, you know, it's in its initial stages. It's like Havertz himself has said that after um, the DFB-Pokal final, he'll be making a decision, which, I mean, after, after today's results... Leverkusen are in Europa League for next season unless they win the Europa League itself and I don't think they'll do that so I mean for me Havertz is gonna leave so I mean take you get Havertz and you've got three big signings we already know Chelsea are gonna sign a left back it's just a matter of who then you you, you really narrow it down to if they sign a center back if they sign a goalkeeper if they do that I think that Chelsea could be a force next year they don't sign a center back. If they don't sign a goalkeeper, I think they still will be a force. There's no way that you know Chelsea are going to be struggling for top four. They'll comfortably get top four, but I don't think they'll have enough for um, a title winning team just yet if they only sign that. But um, we'll see what happens. But this felt like kind of the result that's going to spur Chelsea on for the rest of the season. Um, Chelsea have Leicester in the cup tomorrow. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later um i think we'll, we'll do well on that but in terms of our next two league fixtures we have west ham and watford and on paper like these two teams are both candidates to go down so i mean yeah it's it's good momentum for chelsea it really good result um quickly getting back to the game i think frank tactically outdid um, pep very well his timing of substitution was excellent um Tammy, in my opinion, although he didn't do that much, he stretched City, he opened space for us on the counter, which eventually led to that William run, which eventually led to the handball and the penalty for our second goal. Um, Pulisic, I have to touch on. I have not been his biggest fan previously, but at the moment he seems like he's really doing his best to prove me wrong, and I couldn't be happier about that. And yeah, Chelsea just look really, really good. Um... And we'll see how it goes on, but I, th I think it's time to move on from Chelsea because I've been talking about them for a while now. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, along with Chelsea, there's, there's a clear a clear race for whether it's top four or top five going on. And I think yeah, beating Sheffield United 3-0 convincingly, as much as it, a 3-0 scoreline, um, you know, could doesn't have to be, you know, a domination. It was... For from United's perspective, it was it was domination in the sense that there, never in a million years could Sheffield United have scored a goal in that game. There was nothing even close for that, right. and and uh, that sort of domination where even though you know goals came um, as they as they came like not in, in close succession with a, a Martial Hattrick, the first of his career, um, that there was a clear a clear dominance, a clear difference in class. Um, that I think does did show that United are a team that will be. I mean, everyone knows they're competing for a top four spot, but a team that 
can sh- is showing that they're that they're on their way to that kind of spot and and semi at least semi deserving of of that spot but i think also at the same time as much as they've played an extra game wolves are showing that wolves, they're that they're in that fight just as much now. i think wolves and united i'd say wolves more so have come back all guns blazing um quickly touching on united um i thought your performance in that game was good especially for Martial. But you guys really, um, you capitalized on the tactical ineptness of Sheffield United at times. They left you a lot of space. Obviously, you've got world-class players. You've got shooters in your team. There's no denying that. Um, you, you took advantage of it. And I think you did it well. I think Sheffield United had their spells sometimes. But like you said, they had their spells, but... Really, the crosses were abject at best. They they were not finding their man. Um, you created, I would say, better chances and deserved winners at the end of the day. Um, 3-0, I mean, I, I don't know if that's the fairest result at the end of the game. I think you guys were really clinical, so I mean, fair enough in that respect. Um, and then Martial, I think he's what? The first player to get a hat-trick for you guys in, what, seven years? So I mean, you find in the Premier League in seven years, and you finally get that um, kind of, I'd say, kind of a bit of an embarrassing record off your back. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a good performance. I mean, I think are we gonna touch on the Norwich performance in a bit? Maybe. Um, I mean, maybe we can talk about that now, just kind of as a segue. But I think that with Man United, you guys are really good at chance Sheffield United. I think it has a lot to do with Pogba starting. Um, yeah, he kind of pulled the strings. He did that. He did this one really, really good skill. Where I mean, even I, as someone who is not the biggest fan of Man United, like I was just like, okay, stop it. When Pogba, um, you know, when he does the rollover and it nutmegs the guy on the edge, and of the then box. he takes two. Yeah, yeah, that was where I was like, ah, right, fair and fair play, fair play, because I mean, that was that was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it, it was a deserved win. I mean, I think it would be uh, a bit. Um, bias and big teamish. If we didn't talk about Sheffield United for a little bit, but I mean, their woes continue. No, for sure, their I think woes there's... continue. Um, they they had they didn't have Henderson obviously, and I think they were missing three of their starting defenders. Two of the back three, yeah, Two of the Egan back three. and O'Connell. Um, yeah, I mean, it it'll be just... interesting to see what they do against Arsenal tomorrow because it will. They're both teams struggling. And as much as Arsenal won against Southampton, like, they won It was won kind of two flukish goals. And exactly. I, I hate to say it, Arsenal fans, but it, it kind of was a nil-nil game apart yeah. from the fact that you were gifted two goals. Um, it, but I think with... It'll be interesting to see if Sheffield United rebound because... Yeah, they, I agree. It's, it's the, the scenario is there. It's a cup competition. They win the game, they're at Wembley. Right. And they could fold... Or they could stand up to Arsenal. And Arsenal are a team that is not that hard to step up to. They're, I think one of the the points with Arsenal is that even when they've played well, there's no backbone in that team. There's no... Oh, yeah. There's there's never anyone that's going to get on their team. There's right, never, there's anyone, never anyone that's going to spur on consistency. There's, they're, they're, they haven't had him. a Patrick Vieira. Yeah. They've lacked that for third right. pretty much since he's right, left, right, but right, it's right. showed for, right. I, for I ages. I totally agree. Um, I think that 
just quickly touching on Sheffield United in terms of their Man United performance, you could have driven an aircraft carrier through their midfield, like the, in the half space. On the counterattack, their midfield two was completely anonymous. They're not there, just completely in the shadows. I was surprised that you guys um, in Man United didn't actually score more. Yeah, with I that, think we sort of we sort of switched off. I think you were half. kind of content with the result. Fair enough, three 0 You can't really complain. Um, but the amount, like they were leaving oceans of space. And tactically, when I predicted this game, I thought you know Sheffield United maybe you sit and you absorb it, and then you hit United maybe three counters in the game total. And they didn't even... It's not that they, like, tried to play and go out. They didn't do either. They didn't sit or go out. Right, they just right. sort they of... Went, they kind of went out. They they did their passing patterns around the corners of the box, but service was poor. Didn't really have anyone to get it into in the first place. I mean, it was just really, really bad. Um, midfield, they were completely overrun. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see... Tomorrow, how they do against Arsenal, um, and we'll obviously be reviewing that in the next episode. But Sheffield United, I think we can say, or at least start to say at this point, are in more of a Europa League fight than they are in a yeah. Champions League fight. And if you're a Sheffield United fan, obviously it it hurts because it could it, it's a what could have been. But if if you're a new team getting promoted, no doubt are you going to take you know Europa League football that's still European football and I mean if I were a Sheffield United fan I'd still be very happy with that I think for sure it's important it's important to realize that I think um but yeah in terms of um we we briefly mentioned Arsenal and then I think we can get on to the Man United Norwich game in terms of Arsenal now Arsenal played Southampton um I I watched the majority of the game I'd say it, you know, hold your hands up. They won. It, it was a win that probably needed to happen for most Arsenal fans' sanity. Right. Um, it was not pretty whatsoever. It was t- two chances gifted to them. Fair enough, taken well. But, um, yeah, w- w- what what did you make of the Arsenal game, I would say? Well, there wasn't much to it, right? Like, yeah. Southampton are a team sort of in that space where they're not going to get relegated, they're not going to get European football. So sometimes they'll turn up, sometimes they won't, and they kind of didn't. Yeah. But still, Arsenal didn't really take advantage and, and sort of, I don't know, just, it was sort of like a... Very, kind of a blah, passive game. Yeah, it's almost like, it, it, it feels stupid to not talk on a podcast, but there's almost like yeah. nothing to talk about. It's just one of those, like, you know what I mean? Um, with Arsenal, I mean, obviously, Arsenal playing Sheffield with my... Run it back. Um, Arsenal playing Sheffield United tomorrow in the FA Cup. Um, I think that this is going to be interesting, as you said, for both sides. I mean, we maybe we give a little bit of a prediction for it, but it, it, it's it's interesting because I mean, it's Sheffield United are at home. Um, they you know have not scored since the restart. Which is I believe, ridiculous. I believe that this is also their first home game since the restart, if I'm correct. Is it? I They played, let's see, they played Aston Villa away, they played Newcastle. Yes, I'm I am certain it's their first home game. Um, oh, that's terrible. That, that's how that how yeah. it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it, so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it was just a case that they were away from home, not really at Bramall Lane. But Arsenal tend to do well in the FA Cup. Arsenal 
they they tend to do okay in the FA Cup. I mean, the, the Arsenal that has come back is very um, it doesn't look like Arsenal injury plagued. Um, obviously, Martinelli's out for a while. They really only kind of have Aubameyang to rely upon in right. terms of goals, and he's not doing it at the moment. But that's not his fault, as we've talked about in previous episodes. But we'll see. We'll see. It'll be an interesting one, but. At the end of the day, I just get the impression that it's going to probably go to penalties and something like that. It's going to be like a 1-1 go-to-penalties kind of game. Both teams are kind of just, meh, they're there, but, you know, they have their spells and it doesn't really go for either team. So I will say, due to the fact that Leno is out, and I'm assuming that Dean Henderson will start, Sheffield United um, probably go through to the semis in the FA Cup because of their superior goalkeeper. I would love that from a Dean Henderson perspective, but um, I do think Arsenal will squeak out a win. But I think um, you wanted to talk, talk, uh, touch on the on the United Norwich game, and and yeah, my biggest my biggest takeaway from it was that when it comes to United, a lot of the aside from really Jadon Sancho, the transfer rumors have been in midfield with the likes of, of Jack Grealish, Donny van de Beek, um, or, or strikers. Um, we've heard talks, talk about Raul Jimenez and, and, and others who, aside from Sancho, these targets are mostly considered backups. And from, from a fan's perspective, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the time it's considered like, oh, we don't need these players, we have Bruno Fernandes. We don't need these players, we, this player, we have Paul Pogba. We don't need this player, we have Martial. And I think this performance against Norwich was a prime example that you need that depth. Because ultimately, if you're a team like United who wants to be competing in three, four competitions, whether or not you count the Carabao Cup, you have to be able to have two 11s that can win games. You look at Man City... When they're completely fit, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Joao Cancelo are all in their second 11. And that's a team that can beat almost anyone in the league. City's second 11 can beat anyone in the league. Yeah. And you look at United's second 11, and it, and it, has, it has Jesse Lingard, it has Juan Mata. Um, players that, that, that weren't able to get it done, really. And I think that, that that's the perfect way to show how much the pl- the likes of, of, of a Jack Grealish, of a, of a Johnny Van de Beek, of a Raul Jimenez can be so, so, so important because you are going to have games where, where Bruno Fernandes can't start or Paul Pogba can't start or Marcus Rashford can't start. Yeah, for me, I'm going to take a bit more of a cynical approach in terms of reviewing this game, but it highlights again, in my opinion, that when teams sit deep, no matter who you guys are playing on the pitch, you struggle. And I think that one area, an area that we've talked about previously that has been abused by Pep Guardiola in terms of the transfer market is fullbacks. In my opinion, I don't think you guys have one fullback in your within your ranks that you can say, consistent crosser, consistently going to find Martial or Igalo, depending on who's playing, consistently going to, you know, Find a way to break teams down. When you don't have fullbacks, it's very hard to break these kinds of teams down. Obviously, Aaron Wambasaka is defensively a great player. 
but going forward he is not consistent enough and too often I feel like he passes it backwards when he has an opportunity to cross. I do think he's improving though. You saw his assist against um, a Norwich, the assist against Chelsea. It's improving, but it's he needs to get a lot better. But improvement is better. all you can ask for. It's his second season in the Premier League, first season at a top club. Okay, but here's the thing. He's when what, I think 21 about years it, old? When I think about it in terms of players in his age group, I think about Trent. Trent's one of the best crossers in the world. Can he defend? That's a different question. But he tactically is everything that Liverpool needed more in that position and everything you need to break down a low block and more. When I think of Reese James for Chelsea, similar age, I think kind of a hybrid of the two players. Defensively sound, gets the job done, and going forward, he's really dangerous and he has a really unique crossing technique. And with Wambasaka, I only see kind of one of those, and yet he in my opinion, really needs to work on the attacking side of the game. Because even Gary Neville, a club, a Man United club legend, talked about how the game has evolved. You can no longer just be a defensive fullback and cons- be considered world-class. Will Wambasaka get better in this um, department? Up in the air. You know, if he does, fair enough. If he doesn't, maybe look to reinvest at some point down the line. But... This game, in my opinion, still shows how you guys struggle to break down low blocks and how you guys really, in that sense, need a general style of play. I'm not talking about Pep. You know what he's going to do before every single game. not saying that. I'm saying, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to get to the byline consistently or something Put a cut back in. You've got to be able to create an opening at the, t- you know, around the penalty spot where you can just hit a shot first time. Norwich were able to pack two banks of five, I think we said at times, because obviously they had a man sent off, and said, come at us. And for a team as defensively awful as Norwich are, they did really well against Man United today, in my opinion. Um... Obviously, I think so too. The mistakes were kind of flukes, and they're expected from objectively bad players in Nor- that Norwich have. But as a system, they did well, and that's kind of worrying because it still shows that hey, we can stick two banks of four, have two strikers. What are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Um, so we'll see how United do in terms of improving this, but. If we're going to look forward to Brighton, you guys have just played 120 minutes of football. Brighton have rested for a full week. Um, they have Mope, who, in my opinion, is still a really good player. can hurt you on the counterattack. They've got, they've got pace. Um, they've got good fullbacks. Um, I, I'd really be interested. Yep. I think we... I do want to get into Leicester. Um, yeah, yeah. But I- When we do record next week, we will have their Chelsea game to talk about. They're going to be. They're also playing Everton on Wednesday. In terms of um, just finishing on United quickly, um, with United, just their need. All I need is to develop the style of play, and whether it 
be you know it's got in my opinion it's got to be attacking because if you don't have oh, for sure but and it's it's clear that it will need be. to break down low blocks. but it's clear it will be attacking uh, yeah yeah but there's got to be a pattern you know what i mean there's got to be ways that you can break teams down Wait, right but don't now, you think that you get you need that that patience needs to be allowed i mean you said one summer with the team patience needs to be allowed yes however i look at chelsea for example Frank Lampard, you can you can from the beginning of the season to now, you can clearly see a clear progression in style of play. You right. can see, you know that if a team now with our best players back, you know that if a team sits two banks of four, that at the end of the day we will break them down at some point. At some point, you're going to get broken down, and there's not a doubt in my mind. He signed players to break down teams. Uh, Hakim Ziyech is a perfect example. Of. Well, Bruno Fernandes is that player, because even if he's going to lose the ball, his job is to create chances. He was, he had his worst performance in the United Church today, and he created five chances. I so think I think Goli's Bruno, doing the same Bruno, thing. in these kinds of games, you need consistent, like, creation. I mean, Bruno... Um, until the last one. The last one until the, the last one, but, like... For him. Um, and it's something that continues to be a trend of his that, you know, I mean, of me thinking that he's kind of overrated in a sense, um, and we'll, we'll continue to see it as it goes on, but with, yeah, it's just, it's just, you got to develop a style of play. Um, Attacking-wise, you've got to have a pattern of how to break teams down, because you can't, right now it seems like you can get it up there, no doubt. Um, you can you can keep it in their half. The issue is, I feel like individual talent is being relied upon too much. Right. And now, I think we should quickly talk about Norwich. And yeah, before you do, I just want to quickly... Yeah, go on. I think... When it comes to that, that idea of developing that that new style and that... With these new players that... This year, top four was somewhere between a hope and an expectation. Next year, top four is an expectation, and progression is an expectation. Improvement is an expectation. Improvement's always an expectation, but to improve from last year to this year wasn't that difficult. To improve from this year to next year will be. And next year... It's expected that we're going to be at least the fourth best team in the league, depending on how much we improve and how much Chelsea improve. And if we're not that, it's a failure. And it's just, it's plain and simple. So, the hope next year is higher. There ha- there has to be a higher ceiling and a lower floor next year than there was this year. Because the whole mantra that Ole has is that as much as we're improving, we're improving, we're improving. But where we need to be is where Liverpool and City are is not comparing us to Liverpool and City, but being a team that challenges for every single trophy. And if you're if you want to get there, you have to build up and up and up and up. So when it comes to that system, it'll be interesting to see whether that happens next year because it's required. It's you have to improve next year. You have to make top four next year. And if you don't there there isn't a job for him because it's 
that expectation that you have to improve, you have to improve. And this year, at least the end to it, since signing Bruno, since even the couple games where Rashford and Pogba have been back, you've seen what this club can do. And that can't, if that's the ceiling, if that's what we're going to do, it has to be consistent. It has to be continuous and it has to keep getting better and better and better and better until we're at the top. So next year is the season where you, I think you see the, the full direction of this club. You've seen this year, I think you've seen where we're aiming and next year you're going to see whether or not we're going there or not. I think the biggest thing in terms of whether you want to, if you want to hit Liverpool City's level I think that you've got to identify the targets that you want, and I'm talking about and next season when ideally um, the pandemic is over and hopefully life is back to normal. Um, you've got to identify key players to bring in, and those key players have to want to come in. Right. And those key players have to be signed at all costs. And if they aren't signed, then fingers have, you know, already been pointed at Edward Ward, but fi- fingers have to be continuously pointed at him. If if that if that isn't the case and if he if Ole um doesn't get the players he wants. Um I feel like we've kind of recycled this a bit. Um I feel like it's time to talk about Norwich a little bit in my opinion. Um tiny tiny bit because they did well today. I thought Cantwell, um, good goal. Um, Romero probably should have done better, but, you know. Good I goal nonetheless. Thought they, they contained United. Um, obviously, attacking-wise, they're just really god-awful. Um, defensively, it's the same, but I think they played to the best of their abilities. Um, and if you're a Norwich fan, you're gutted, obviously, that you didn't go through because you had a decent chance, but... Nonetheless, you're still probably proud of your team. Um, in terms of relegation, I mean, yeah, they're still pretty much nailed on. Yeah, they're pretty much down. In terms of long-term, you know, I mean, Barca basically exact same team and dominated the championship a year ago, so I don't see why they can't come back up in a few years, you know. Um, for Norwich, if they do long-term, if they do come back up, I think it's really about investment um, in the correct areas because I don't think they invested well at all in the past summer. Um, or enough. Or enough. Um, they really, I mean, you can rely on your players to an extent, but you need investment at, when you come up. Yeah, the for sure. I mean, you saw what Villa did with spending yeah, what, $200 I mean, million and they haven't been able to do need, anything. You need it. a balance. You need a balance. Um, I think Wolves is a good example. They had a balance. Um, they signed, you know, key players when they came up. And they signed players in the championship, too. Like, you saw yeah. Neves come in, and then they went up. Um, to do with Nuno Espirito Santos. Pulp yeah. Power. Um, especially because he's Portuguese and he's tracking... kind of know what's going to happen if you're an Norwich fan. And it's, it's obviously... the another relegation but it's it'll probably be sooner rather rather than later um considering that their, their team is still good for championship standards it's interesting because villa have an opportunity to 
prevent themselves from joining Norwich. They do. And they're I mean, not taking it. We, we've talked about Villa. I mean, um, Villa, uh, ha, since the restart, have been poor, to say the least. Right, for sure. I mean, they... Have, they, they have not won a game, right? No, for they sure. They've lost every single game. Yeah, they've lost um, every single game, and, and sure, gives Wolves credit no, for no, winning no, no. one now. Sorry, sorry. They drew Sheffield United. Right, they drew Sheffield United, but... but these were the games that they had an opportunity to win. And they've got, they've got United coming up. They've got City coming up. I believe they've got Liverpool coming up as well. Arsenal. Yeah. And it's it's almost like, with the exception of the last game of the season where they go to West Ham, a team just just a point ahead of them. The reason they're down is because of their schedule and because of how bad they've been, not because of where they are in the table. Uh, they I can would, stay up. I would say that Villa have the talent to stay up, but it doesn't feel like Villa want to stay up. Exactly. It's there's there was never that urgency. And you saw it from the beginning of the season too. Like first game of the season, um I believe it was away against Tottenham. It was. And they weren't bad. And, and they gave up two late goals, lose I forget if it was 2-1 or 3-2. It was 3-1. They lost 3-1. And it's been that way the whole time, or the the whole season where they're not bad. Commitment to stay up, whether whether it's just uh, an material. Yeah, it 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 could very well be. Um. Episodes, but right. just at the end of the day, it's a team that is down. The players they have and the investment that they have put into the into staying up. Um, so yeah, if you're an Aston Villa fan, I think that you should definitely be pissed off with how the season has gone. Um, I think you're not expecting much, but you're expecting mid table with that team. Yeah. I think... 14th, maybe, something like that. Yeah. A comfortable finish. We we do want to switch it up a little bit. I know yeah, the I, last I couple the last couple episodes, we we talked about, like, the last couple Premier League games, the next couple Premier League games, and and we really enjoy talking about talking about those those games and, and sort of providing our takes to you about whether it's the tactics of teams, the results of teams, the form. Um, but we don't want to keep it just with, with the Premier League and also... Um, with some important things happening uh, across across Europe, um, we think it's important to sort of keep you up- updated on that. Um, the Bundesliga ended today. Of course, Bayern won the title. Um, Dortmund finished second. Leipzig and Mönchengladbach rounded out the top four, which leaves out Leverkusen, and it leaves out Champions League football for Kai Havertz. Right. Now, Kai Havertz, I mean, I think that any neutral fan can pretty much say at this point the two clubs that are in for him and are the most realistic destinations are Chelsea and Real Madrid. Um, uh, it was reported the other day that Chelsea put in uh, a bid for him of around 88 million euros. Um, Real put in an 80 million euro bid, I think. So with Kai, I mean, 
uh, he has stated himself that he will give his decision, which, let's face it, is ultimately going to be to leave uh, Leverkusen um, after the DFB Pokal final against um, Bayern Munich. And I think that at the end of the day, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier on, but in my opinion, he will end up a Chelsea player. Um, he fits an attacking role that Frank Lampard wants in the fact that he wants a young top talent that is very versatile and can play loads of various positions. Um, I mean, Havertz himself has said he wants to kind of play that hybrid eight that Chelsea seem to be playing, where obviously they have, seems like long-term, Frank Lampard wants to sit Conte and wants to have two kind of midfielders ahead of him. And I mean, for next season, I foresee that being Havertz and uh, Loftus-Cheek. Um, most likely, um, and it's an incredible midfield three in my opinion. But really, I think if you're Leverkusen, you're disappointed because last week I forget who was they lost to a team that they should not have lost to. Um, I don't know why I want to say it's weirder Bremen, but it doesn't have to be. They lost to, to a team that they should not have lost to um, last week. They didn't even start Havertz today in an, an attempt. Obviously, they won the game, but I think that if you're Peter Bosch, you have to start your best players in the hope that you can get chances. Hertha Berlin, they lost to last week. They lost to Hertha Berlin. Okay. You just can't be losing that game. And this is not to say that Mönchengladbach are a bad team. In fact, quite the opposite. I think Marco Rosa is a very good manager. I think he's got some He'll make really a step up soon, I think. After next season, the probably. fact that Munchen Gladbach have qualified for Champions League football is really good for that club. Um, it's going to give them some maybe vital money to get some yeah. signings in that I can I think we can say that we probably won't have heard of. But he knows what he's doing, and those signings will fit the team. Um, I've got really good attacking players in Turam and Play, um, and they've got I believe Ginter the center half as well as right. a good player and Sommer and goal. And they've got Sommer and goal. They've got a, they've got. Good players in the right positions. Yeah, um, for sure. They've got Sakaria as well at holding midfielder. He's a class he's, player. And he's missed this, missed most of the right, season right, as well. Right, right, So, fair enough to Marco Rosa for getting fourth. Um, Leipzig finishing third. Um, I think it's probably expected. We'll see where they go without Werner we'll see next where they year. go without Werner. Um, I would assume maybe not top four in the Bundesliga. Maybe, I mean... I think it could be a battle. I think Mönchengladbach, if they hold on to their players, will be a better team than both um, Leipzig and Leverkusen. Um, I think they'll probably be the third best team in the yeah. Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, especially seeing Marco and they'll, Rose. And they'll continue the progression that Rosa has started exactly. this season. Another, another summer with him, another another year, yep. another opportunity to, to get, or learn the system even better. And yeah. another opportunity for, for clubs in need of a manager, um, you know, bigger clubs right. um, in need of a manager, um, to to look at Rose and see whether that's the direction they want their club to go. Right, right. And I believe with Dortmund, I mean, obviously they finished second. It seems like they finished, you know, it's, there's no point. They're, Bayern and Dortmund are going to be first and second every year. Um, Bayern, I mean, with sorry, with Dortmund today, I mean, I believe they lost 4-0. It was 4-0 it at was some point. I don't know if it stayed like point. that. If it stayed like four 0 I mean that's just not a really nice way to end the season. I mean they played a pretty strong team. Yep, four 0 at home to Hoffenheim. Uh, it's not a good way to end the season if you're a Dortmund fan. Um, Dortmund though, 
I wouldn't dwell on this result too much. You're, you're, you know, you're guaranteed second. You know, there's nothing to play for. At the end of the day, you lost 4-0. It's a bad day. But in the overall scheme of things, it is not that detrimental. Um, with Dortmund, if they can hold on to Holland, they can hold on to Sancho, if they can hold on to key players this summer. Obviously, they've lost Hakimi. I think Munier is a decent replacement for him tactically. Yeah, he um, fits the bill. Fits, fits the bill, not as well as Hakimi. Oh, for sure. But um, um, it, it's still good, and I mean, um, congratulations to Hakimi for. It looks like he's on his way to Inter. He's probably going to get his first big, big money deal of his career. Yeah. So, as a young, I don't player, know why Real don't want him. As yeah, we we can we can get on into that um, after we finished on the Bundesliga probably, but. I mean, with with Dortmund, still going places, you know. Are they still going places? If they hold on to this current team, I think that they could challenge for Bundesliga. I'm not saying they're going to go places in Europe. I'm I, saying that they can challenge for Bundesliga. I don't know. I don't agree because first of all, Bayern are one of the best teams in the in Europe. I agree, and I don't think that Dortmund have a have a have a chance at touching Bayern. Really, I mean. The only reason that the standings were as close as they were until as late as they were was because of how poorly Bayern started the year. And sure, Dortmund started it well, but they're losing Hakimi. They they could lose Sancho. If if they do lose Sancho, then they'll be able to 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 reinvest the money. But your best players, I mean, Holland, Dortmund. Dortmund looked like a stepping stone for Holland rather than his final destination. Oh yeah. Hummels is is getting up there in age. Royce is getting up there in age, and the other dynamic players that they have are not the other the other their younger players aren't the most it, dynamic. It will be interesting to see how Gio Reyna progresses next season. Um, I think that they but like Dorgan Hazard, Julian Brandt, like are are those guys moving the needle? I think that Julian Brandt is a really promising youngster. Um, I think he had a good season, um, a, a, a good step for me. Yeah. Um, this season. If they hold on to this team, which a large portion of me thinks that they will for this summer at least. If they hold on to this team, I think that... Not saying they're going to beat Bayern. No. Bayern have an objectively better team. But you can, you can, you know, have... If you're Dortmund, you can have a really good run. And if you get in form... And, you know, Dortmund have have a good manager. I mean, they won't, at the end of the day, they, they will challenge, in my opinion. They won't beat Bayern. Um, I, I mean, with Bayern, it seems as if um, news came out this morning with in terms of the Sané situation. Now, Sané, for me, would really send Bayern to the next level. Um, but the interesting thing is with Sané is that... Uh, um, Christian Farka, I believe, who works for Sport Build. He's a very reliable journalist. He broke the Werner news to Chelsea. Um, uh, a lot of top work has been done by him recently. Yeah, he's also been leaking some of the Van de Beek to United. Yeah. Um, with with the um, whole Sané situation, it seems like Bayern are waiting for Thiago to potentially leave Bayern. I would love Thiago. He's such a great Bayern fan. this summer um, in order to sign um, Sané and if that happens that makes me think you know 
they they rely on Kimmich and Thiago for a lot of their um, creative output and and kind of starting their play. So that will be interesting to see how that affects them if that is the case. But I wouldn't say it's done yet. Like in terms of the Bundesliga for next season, I'd say it's very likely Dortmund. Dortmund don't win it, but who knows? And in terms of Bayern, I mean. Congrats, you won the league that you buy every year. Like, I hate to be kind of cynical in a sense, but you won the Bundesliga eight, time, eight times now. Um, it's kind of getting a, row. a bit boring, I would say, from a neutral perspective. Um, well, it's Bayern, not that worth spending that much time in. It's just an expectation. That Bayern, right, right. Bayern, I think you're a top, top team. Uh, no doubt about it. I think that if Bayern don't make it to the Champions League semifinals this year, it's a failure. Oh, for sure. I mean, for a team to be... It looks like Bayern are the best that they've been in a long, long time. I would agree. And this looks team... Looks like Hansi Flick has done a really yeah, good job at... This team, whether it's this year or next year, has to win a Champions League. Yeah. For yeah. Bayern to not have won since 2013 is, is a failure. Yep. Um... I would say it's a it was it's a failure, and they they've kind of been screwed over a few times. I can, right. I can think of um, Real Madrid a few years ago where they should have gone through, but ultimately they have not had they've had missing links, um, and they don't anymore. And they don't. They really don't. They have a strong, strong team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see now. If, if you want to, I think it'd be kind of interesting to break down this Hakimi deal that looks like it's about to go through soon. Because Inter look like a team that is really covering all of their bases. Inter, I mean, I am not the biggest fan of Antonio Conte, but Hakimi is no doubt going to be an upgrade on Victor Moses in the right wing back position. Um, with Inter, I think they've got Lukaku. He's their guy. He's really good. I think they've got a, and I think they can keep Lautaro too. I think they'll keep Lautaro Martinez, and it, if he gets better, that'll be really good for them. I think that they need maybe a creative central midfielder. Yeah, I think Brozovic is a really good player. Well, but they signed Eriksson. They signed Eriksson. I don't know whether he'll get the job done to the full extent. Um, could maybe use a really good winger to offer a different tactical setup because they're. Yeah, we know they're playing back three. It's just whether it's going to be a three-five-two or a three-four-three. Would have been interesting to see if Conte had kept Perisic, other than letting him letting him go to Bayern. Whether I think whether that he could have Perisic would not have done. Yeah, too I, much. I agree. Um, but I think they need a creative winger. I think they've got the defense is very good. I don't think you need any additions there. Devry, Godin, um, okay, Handanovic really, really is a good. very good keeper as well. Um, They're a team that like. Left wing back maybe is an investment because Ashley Young, yeah, he's been doing yeah. well for them. But I mean, like, if they could get a left footed, um, left wing back, that would be good. But I mean, this signing of Hakimi really, really improves them in terms of the attacking standpoint. And forty million is a bargain and for him it's too. A really good price for Hakimi, and he's young. And he's young. I'm he's shocked 20, that Real are so twenty one years of age. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about Real now. From a Real Madrid perspective, I think that this is a shocking piece doing? of business. Carvajal is in the latter stage of his career. He has not had a good last few years, in my opinion. He's still a good player, no doubt about it. But Hakimi seemed like the guy, because Hakimi and Furlan Mendy 
that's a top fullback pairing in Europe. And as we've seen, in modern football, and in order to be successful, you need a really good fullback pairing. You need it. You need you need your Robertson and your Trent. You You've seen what Liverwood City have been trying to pursue yeah, for it, like five years now. They And they, they had good fullbacks when they won the league. Right, and I think that... And Barcelona, when Pep managed them, had good fullbacks. Think about Bayern the Munich. Think about Bayern the Chelsea Munich with Alfonso Davies and um, Pavard, I think. And Pavard, yeah. Good fullback pairing. Chelsea, um, the Chelsea that the Chelsea wingbacks that won the league with Antonio Conte and Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses were not flashy. We're but, not, they got but the job positionally, done. Yeah. they got the job done. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And uh, you're right to identify if, the faults in teams that don't have those positions. And this. This is very interesting because we've mentioned that Inter want uh, a left or should want, in our opinion, a left wing back who is left footed. Marcus Alonso does not cut it at a left back, in my opinion. He's he's low, lethargic, slow to play down. Left wing back is a different scenario. If if um, the reports are true in the fact that Inter go in for Alonso, you can think, well, this guy was. Terrible for Chelsea for the past two years. Left wing back, he was really good. He was good. He frustrated, he frustrated me at times, but he's still a really good left wing back. Yeah. If they get him at a left wing back, Inter are very, very... Also, they'll small. still have Moses. These guys know each other well. Moses, Moses, yes, and Moses is a good addition. I, I actually am not sure if they have Moses because I don't know if they have activated the buyback clause. Um, right. The buyout clause, rather, from Chelsea. But um, when when... Um, if they if they get Marcus Alonso, which I don't know if they will, maybe they do, because it seems like Juve have had their one big signing of the summer in Archer. Um, yeah, we we will see. But Inter, I don't know if they'll be a force to reckon with in Europe because I think Antonio Conte tactically is behind the times when it comes to European football. However, in Serie A, when um. What's it called? When in Serie A, when 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 you're challenging for a league, I think that Conte could be the guy to dethrone Juventus next season, um, and we'll see. But I hope so. I'm tired of these leagues yeah, being you, single. Yeah, you need you need you need your Monaco's. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, going back to Real Madrid, um, I think we want to touch on the La Liga title race. And it at looks some like point. they're going to nick it from Barca, who drew to Celta Vigo to right. today. This is this is the Barcelona who, uh, it's understandable why, but heavily rely on Lionel Messi. Um, obviously, we're we're you know talking about, in my opinion, the greatest of all time player. Um, but by the way, let us know in the comments if you see this from our. Instagram, which we'll hype up later, let us know who you think is better, and that way we'll know that you've gotten to this point. Yeah, loyal supporters. Um, but with obviously Messi, the creator, um, as far as the finisher today, it just lacks. You know what I mean? Again, a team that relies far too much on individual talent as opposed to like, you know, breaking a team down, utilizing the talent you have. Um, Real Madrid. Now that Hazard is back, he's not been putting in the goals, he's not been putting in the assists, but Hazard, there is a stat out that Hazard makes Real Madrid three times more likely to score in a match than um, when he is not playing. So you can clearly see the creative impact that he has from there. It doesn't really show up in a stat sheet. 
uh, his movement, his dribbling, it's, it's world class. I think next year is more so Hazard's year. This is kind of just an adjustment year for him. Um, he's been out of shape. Um, fitness has not been good. But in terms of Real Madrid tomorrow, you're playing Espanyol, um, the team that is bottom in La Liga. You need to win this game because if you win this game, they're what two points ahead. Yeah, and there's no stopping them. I mean, I Real have been the no t- well. Them. There's there's stopping them in that it's 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 football and anything can happen. Right. But my point being, Real Madrid are the team on form, and Correct. Barcelona are the team that have been stumbling and the team that look like they've prepared for the future the least. It it looks like if Real win the title this year, it's the start of a dynasty. Real and Madrid, not even yes. because of how good Real Madrid are, because they're good. Don't get me wrong, they're good, and. I disagree with you in that it's a. I don't think it's a cakewalk for City to make the, the quarterfinal. I would not be shocked if Real Madrid surprised them. But, of course, City winning three one in the first leg at the Bernabeu. Two one. Okay, that would have been too much. Winning two one at the Bernabeu, it's is far from far from a guarantee to me. But, to me, the reason that it could be the start of, of a dynasty for Real Madrid is that Barcelona look like they're on the ropes. Barcelona look like Messi is keeping them up. Excuse me. <laughs> the Barcelona look like Messi is keeping them up. And Suarez is old. PK is old. And their their backbone is, is aging. And it doesn't look like the players coming in to replace them have been accurately chosen. It looks like everyone that they're, that they're picking is has not been working out. They're selling yeah. one of their youngsters that's coming through our tour to City... To uh, Juventus, excuse me. In exchange for... A more experienced player in, in Pjanic, who, regardless of his oh, talent, is Pjanic, you well, know? but regardless of, of what you think of Pjanic, Real uh, Juventus have been trying to offload him for for years now. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you that Real, funnily enough, are building for the future. They've got a midfielder who's young, really talented, in Valverde. They've got. Stupidly, they got rid of Hakimi, as we said, but they've got Ferlan Mendy, who's going to be a top, top left back. And Carvajal's still 28, so as Carvajal, much as I think they're missing you can out. still hold on to. You've got Rafa Varan, who's a top center half. You've got Sergio Ramos, who it Seems uh, like he's never going to die, but he yeah. Might. might be time to look for a center half. Um, but again, that when with, those issues are coming positionally for Real Madrid, where they can, they last year they upgraded on Marcelo with Ferlan Mendy, and right. maybe and in the next couple of years it'll be Sergio Ramos or, or Benzema. And they already got attacking Jovic. Attacking wise, attacking wise, I mean Jovic has not panned out for them. I think that they need to probably invest in a really good young right. striker. But again, they have time because Benzema's having one They've of the best seasons time. of his career. I think Benzema's been good this year. Um, if I'm Real Madrid this summer. I look to invest in two areas. Right wing and center back. Courtois has been superb this season for Real Madrid. He's been one of the top keepers in Europe, in my opinion. Um, And the defense overall has been good. I think they could maybe use a little more creativity in the midfield as well. Um, Get get a spark there. I think Cruz has, has seen his day. Modric, it might be time to cash in on an asset. Um... Valverde is the one for the future in the midfield, in my opinion. Isco is not panned out. You know, they've got work to do. But the, the, the footprint is clear, and I think that Zidane is a really good manager to do it for them. Um, he needs some players, in my opinion. Um, but if he gets the players, and it's Real Madrid, so no doubt they're going to spend, because they always have money. Always, no matter what. They'll spend, 
they'll spend recklessly if they have to. And hopefully, if you're a Real Madrid fan, these deals work out for you. But if I'm a Real Madrid, I target a right winger. I target a center back. I target you know a more creative midfielder. Get those three players. Really looking at being back to the Galacticos. And, um, you know, I'm not too familiar on their academy. Maybe they can promote some academy um, players that could be really good for them. They do have those wingers coming through in Vinicius and, and Rodrigo and, Rodrigo and Rainier could be really as well. Good. Um, yeah, Real have obviously <laughs> taken every Brazilian top talent, it seems like. They're just trying their, trying to get their <laughs> own Neymar. Yeah, um, I, would, I would say so. But, yeah, um, Los Blancos, they're really starting to get back to where they should be um and in terms of european football i mean for next season when i think of powerhouses and favorites to win the champions league if real have a good summer they're up there yeah uh real shortlisting games real Bayern, liverpool um city um, I'd say are probably my four big contenders yeah. to win. And then I think you sort of Barcelona have a little bit off, Chelsea yeah. a little bit off, Juventus a little bit off. Um, PSG off. there too. PSG. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, PSG, PSG could be at the top. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks so much for listening in. This has been the technical area. I'm Ben Cohen. This is Josh Banks. You can find you can find us on Anchor. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us basically anywhere in the podcast world. We'll be on Apple Music. Uh, as soon as as soon as we can, um, hopefully in the next couple episodes. Um, I also write for thehurryup.com. You can find my work there under the football section. Um, I have a piece that's going to be coming out in the next few days about Bruno Fernandez and debunking this myth that hero ball, as people call it, um, is a bad thing. You can also find Josh's work. Um, he makes videos for IGTV um, on the official Hurry Up fc instagram which come out twice a week or thereabouts there's also going to be a video of his coming out soon that you should totally check out you can also check out our affiliate the official hurry up which is the instagram of the hurryup.com which is the blog um that we all all sort of work for and if you're interested in basketball and football you can check out the uh, the hurry up podcast which is a podcast that i feature on and, and we started to talk about basketball and football, we have some really cool interviews on there. We just had one with the the host of, of NFL Red Zone and also uh, uh, a fourth-round draft pick in the NFL draft. So those are super exciting. So if you're interested, please do check that out. Um, as it comes to this podcast and the blog and that podcast, share, rate, review, like, all that fun stuff. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.